You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 342. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Today, we are going to talk about the shakedown, the 50-year-old shakedown that happened to me, but not because it happened to me, but more because so many people are reaching out to me, uh, especially on social media as they see my posts and they're saying things like, I see what you're going through at 50 years old. I'm going through it. I went through it. I'm about to go through it. I feel what you're feeling. So many people have approached me, I feel like, in the last few months that I'm realizing this isn't just my shakedown at 50 years old. This is happening to so many people. And there's so many things that I am having to change in my life, in my routine, to stay fit and healthy at this age. And so again, people have been asking me, well, what are the changes that you're making? So today we're gonna talk about my 50-year-old shakedown I should say 51 year old at this point, but it's sort of like in my 50s. And what I'm actually doing to make changes in my fitness routine, changes with my nutrition as well, what I'm doing to accommodate sort of this new, I don't wanna call it a new body, the same body, but it's definitely a changing body. Now, before we get to that, I think it's really important that we bring up one thing about this time of the month. It's not what you think, (laughs) because this time of the month doesn't happen as often as it used to, for me at least. All right, so this time of the month, what do I mean by that? It is January, and it is the end of January. We're in the last couple weeks of the first month of the new year. And so what happens right around now is all those fantastic New Year's resolutions that you maybe had or goals are starting to slip away. And I'm here to tell you that it is okay. And usually those goals or those resolutions start to slip away this quickly simply because you either didn't really specify what your goal was with a proper plan or because you went way too extreme in what you wanted to do or because you simply didn't have anybody to hold you accountable. Now, I don't know about you, but most people don't shout out their New Year's resolutions or goals anymore. Uh, Maybe they once did, but it seems like nobody really is pointing out what they are and making it well heard. Sometimes that's a good thing to do because when you do tell others what your goals are, it sort of holds you accountable. But most people don't want to do that with their goals because they're afraid they're going to fail. So it's better to just not say it than to say it and fail. But really, once you put the word out there, and I say this all the time, it helps hold you accountable. But if that's not you, you're not a social person, you don't wanna tell others, then you need to find someone that can hold you accountable. 
And that is why I think it's so important that if you are trying to work on a goal and it's really important to you, and obviously the Earn That Body podcast, we're all about health and fitness and nutrition. So if you have a goal, a health, a fitness, or a nutrition goal that is really important to you, then you have to set a plan and you have to have someone hold you accountable. I don't want you to let go of what that goal was because right now you might be sitting in your heart and feeling awful because you're like, I really wanted to lose 20 pounds this year and I'm already failing. And all I want in my heart is for all of you to reach your health goals because it is so important that you get fit and you get healthy at any age that you're at. When you're younger, when you're older, whenever you do it, the sooner you do it and get yourself healthy, the easier the rest of your life is gonna be. So I don't care if it's me that needs to hold you accountable, if you need me to hold you accountable in your workouts or your nutrition, definitely reach out to me. I have so many great programs. Or if you need to tell your best friend to hold you accountable or your partner or a family member, whatever the case is, I want you to see this week as one more start to reaching your goal, don't just throw the goal away because hopefully it was important to you and just simply find someone to hold you accountable because I think that your health and your health goals are definitely worth it. So do not give up. All right, there you have it. So the 50s were not what I was expecting, team. I'm not going to lie. I mean, people tell you, that aging is tough. But I mean, people tell you that having kids is tough and we all seem to figure that out, right? And I know that aging is going to be different for everyone. So my story is not necessarily yours. But as I said earlier, when I tell people about my story, so many people are saying, hey, that was me too, or that is me too, or you know, I'm afraid that's going to be me. So what are you doing? What changes are you making? Whatever my story is, team, it's obviously not that far off from what so many other people are also going through or are going to go through. Now, when I turned 50, my life took a pretty big life change. My husband's job changed. We moved to Pennsylvania from Austin, Texas. And honestly, I was super excited for this change. So it's hard for me to look back now and think, wow, I guess I was under a lot of stress at that time. Because again, I was really excited for the change. But now looking back, I was under a lot of stress at the time. And it probably was the very beginning of when I started having a lot of problems with my body. Now, thankfully, I didn't have a lot of problems with my health, but I had a lot of problems with my body, meaning a lot of pain. Now, moving to a new state where I didn't know anyone, although I do have my uncle and a cousin here, so that's super nice to have family nearby, but I didn't have any friends. It's a new climate, so that has been definitely a big shift for sure. We drove for three days from Texas to Pennsylvania with two dogs in the car, one of whom was blind, my poor little fig, and that was a lot. That trip was a lot on all of us, including my dog, which sadly did pass away the month um, after we moved here. 
the whole thing, it was a lot. It was a lot of stress. So I don't know why I didn't realize it at the time, but that stress really was impacting me quite a bit. I think I was just in some kind of denial. Now, when I arrived to Pennsylvania, I already knew I had a small knee thing going on. It really wasn't that big a deal, but I knew that something was wrong with my knee. But within a couple weeks of moving here, I also had a hamstring pain that kind of came out of nowhere. And I thought, well, that's weird, but I figured it was from sitting so long in the car and it was some kind of compensation issue and it was just gonna go away by itself. So I started limiting what I was doing with my workouts because I figured, well, that's gonna help my knee, that's gonna help my hamstring, and that's gonna make everything go away. Then, uh, my period. <laughs> Sorry if there's any guys listening, but mostly this is a female podcast. But uh, then I got my period, or I should say my period got a little wonky when I first moved here. Sort of 50 days apart, 75 days apart. I was always super regular, like I'm talking 28 days to the hour. So I just thought, well, you know what? I'm not really working out much right now, and I bet it's throwing off my system. Or of course, maybe I'm hitting perimenopause. And I know that perimenopause can go on for years and years. So again, it really didn't bother me at all. One month, however, my period was so, 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 so heavy. I mean, it was probably seven days worth of the heaviest I've ever had. And so when I told my OBGYN that, she of course, being super cautious, said, it's probably part of perimenopause, but, we should do a biopsy to make sure that there's nothing else going on. And of course, I'm like, oh, it's really the last thing I needed. I just moved here, I have a lot going on. Do we really have to do a biopsy, I asked her? And she was like, here's the thing. It's probably nothing. But at your age, if you have any unexpected you know, changes with your period with, like this, it is called for to do a biopsy. So why wouldn't we do it just to be safe? Ugh, that's all I was thinking was, oh my gosh, really? It's really just the last thing I need. And then like a week later, my mammogram came back with something that was suspect on the left side. And I was like, what the, you know what is happening to me right now? I have pain, I have two injuries, I have to have a utero biopsy, my mammogram's not right, like what is happening to me? Now, thankfully the biopsy was fine, it's just perimenopause, you know, that kind of thing. Thankfully the mammogram was fine as well, nothing to worry about, so my health is fine. But guess what? The pain was not. The knee was getting worse and worse and worse, the hamstring wasn't changing at all. After an entire year, I had seen up to six doctors and had five procedures done total on my knee and the hamstring. Now to skip through the entire year because it's that was just like so much, I'm now 51 years old. My pain is better after getting PRP injection into my knee, but it is not fully healed and my knee will never be fully healed, it will never be the same, but it's as good as it's gonna get in my heart. <laughs> That's the way that I've decided to see it. 
Now my hamstring is somewhat better. I have uh, tendonitis in my hamstring or a tendinopathy is what they say. And that's somewhat better after getting a cortisone injection, but guess what? It's not that much better. It's still there, I can still feel it. I can live with it. It's nothing that like wakes me at night by any means, but it's definitely still there. Then my back started hurting me. (laughs) And so they did an MRI and I have some bulging discs, probably from all the running that I have done in my life. And about three months ago, another pain in my hip. Now you have to be kidding me. I went to the doctor on this one and I was like, if you tell me this is another tendinopathy, I'm gonna fall off this table. She did the ultrasound and she said, Kim, this is another tendinopathy. You have to understand, now I had the worst knee tendinopathy they'd ever seen, hamstring tendinopathy as well, and now I have a tendinopathy in my hip, in the tensor fascia lata, right at the top of the hip. And I'm thinking to myself, how, I mean, how is this possible? I don't even barely work out anymore. I've been taking off so much of my workouts that I'm like, this is now not something that we can say is from repetitive motion. This is not because I've been marathoning. I have now not run for basically the entire year. So how is it that this is happening. And then it really just all kind of hit me and a lot of research later, I will tell you as well, I've constantly been doing research on what could be happening. And a part of me was like, well, I guess this is it. You know, this is what happens as you age, ladies. This is, this is what it is, right? Well, I realized it's not just because I'm getting older, not your basic wear and tear. As I said, I haven't even done anything anything big, anything repetitive, anything intense for an entire year, and I'm still getting new pain. And these tendinopathies are just like appearing one after the other. And if you're wondering, what's a tendinopathy? I'm sure you've heard of tendinitis. Well, when you've had it for a really long time, it just becomes chronic and it's called a tendinopathy at that point. And the tendon, when they look at it under the ultrasound, is very thick and it doesn't look like a healthy tissue. They can see that under ultrasound. So here's the thing. If it's not wear and tear and it's not that part of aging, what is it? Well, my hormones are shifting, right? We all know that. I'm in perimenopause. And this causes so many changes in the body. We've talked about menopause already. We've talked a lot about the changes and the symptoms that have happened and that can happen. Right now, I am still perimenopause because I did have a period, let's see, this time it was 71 days ago. And technically, you're not in menopause until you haven't had a period for an entire year. So I'm not there yet. I'm still getting a period, but very, very long cycles. Um, So... Being in perimenopause, I thought that just meant hot flashes, saggy skin, gray hair. Uh, How about like um, facial hair that you keep tweezing every single day? What is that? And is it ever going to go away, ladies? (laughs) Sleep issues and of course, weight gain. We all know what some of these symptoms are as we go into menopause, right? And I thought, well, that's all that that is. Well, guess what, everyone? Apparently, it also is tendon issues. 
According to the National Institute of Health, the relationship between estrogen deficiency and tendon disorders during aging is clinically relevant. How come, I ask you all, how come this is not being discussed or listed with the hot flashes, with the sleepless nights? Why are people not talking about the fact that when your estrogen is deficient and goes down, you can have all of these tendon disorders? Now, most of us know that estrogen improves muscle mass and strength, right? Which is why I always say keep strength training because as you age and as you go into menopause and you lose that estrogen, you're going to lose that muscle mass. So estrogen improves muscle mass and strength, but did you know it also increases the collagen content of connective tissue? And guess what is connective tissue, my friends? Tendons. It is a fibrous connective tissue. That's what a tendon is. So think about this. The less estrogen you have means you are going to also have less collagen. Collagen plays a vital, vital role in maintaining tendon health and mitigating potential injury, like uh, injuries when you have sports injuries, things like that. Collagen helps all of those things. So what does it all mean? I asked my doctor when she said to me, you have another tendinopathy. I was like, oh my gosh, could this be from the loss of estrogen that is happening in my body as I enter menopause, as I'm in this perimenopausal stage? And she looked at me and she said, yes. And her eyes sort of like opened wide. Nice that I had to do all of this research on my own and I had to bring it up to my doctor and that not one doctor in the five to six that I saw last year brought it up to me that this could be a potential cause of what's happening in my body because the doctors are so laser focused. All they see is this tendinopathy. This is your knee tendinopathy. This is what we need to do. This is your hamstring tendinopathy. This is what we need to do. But no one is sitting there counting up all the tendinopathies one after another and thinking, something else is wrong here. Like, why is this happening to you? Like, honestly, none of this happened when I was training for an Ironman. None of this happened during my marathon training. Something else is going on. And so we think it is because I am having tendon issues due to the lack of estrogen, which is impacting the collagen in my body. I need that collagen for my tendon health, and right now that is on the low side. So my body is not healing well, and the body doesn't recover as well as you age and you get this lack of estrogen. Now, you could be thinking, so I guess you should go on hormones, and it is a topic of discussion. I'm not there yet, and my doctor doesn't think that I need to be there right now if I don't want to be. I don't want to go on hormones. It's just where I'm at today. It doesn't mean that I won't go on them if I have to, because I'd like to try taking care of my body in a different way to see if that helps. It doesn't mean I'll never go on them. If I keep getting tendinopathies, I might not have a choice And it doesn't mean if you're taking hormones that you're doing anything wrong. That is a very personal decision. And I 
personally think you should always do your own research on this one more than just what your doctor tells you, but make sure you do all the research to make sure it's right for you, all right? But for me, it's not right for me right now because I wanna see, and what I've done all year is kind of figure out what should I be changing to manage these shifts in my body. So this is what I have done in the last year to start to feel better and to start to manage a lot of what is going on. The first thing I had to do broke my heart in the beginning, I had to stop running. I do not run anymore. And I kind of in my head thought, well, as soon as the knee is better, I can start running again. But the knee is never going to really be better, so I'm not going to be running again. My doctor thought, well, you could you could run like short distances, like two miles potentially. Um, right now, even that, kind of frightens me because I don't want the knee pain to come back. And since the knee isn't fully healed and never will be, why bring that on? Like there's so many other things that I can do for my workouts. So I have stopped running. And honestly, now that I know what's happening to my body with this lack of estrogen, lack of collagen, impacts your tendons, impacts your recovery and bulging discs, I realize running is just not a benefit for my body anymore. So even though it breaks my heart, it's just what I need to do to take care of me. Sometimes we have to do things to take care of our own body that we might not like, but it is better than doing it and causing harm. So no more running for me. Number two, I've decreased the workout time, meaning no more long workouts. I do not do one hour straight workouts anymore of the same thing, meaning I don't do one hour bike workouts anymore. I wouldn't do a one hour swim anymore. I am looking forward to getting back to swimming, but it's not gonna be an hour long. Obviously I'm not running anymore, but if I was, there would be no more one hour runs. I'm not doing things that last an hour right now with repetitive motion. That's why I'm talking about the swimming and the biking and the running. You're basically doing one movement the entire time. And that's a lot of repetitive motion. And so if as we age, ladies, and we have less estrogen, which means less collagen, which means we don't recover as well, then we need to be a little more cautious on what kind of workouts we're doing and how long they last because we don't what we were doing before is not necessarily what we can do now what our hormones entitled us to do 10 years ago was one thing because we had more collagen and we could recover quicker potentially i don't have that now and I don't know if you do it, you know, y'all have to see what's working in your body and what isn't. It's just something to be cautious of. If you feel like you don't recover like you used to, it might be time to shorten those workouts. So anything with that repetitive motion, now I'm about 30 minutes. Um, I don't think 
I'll go more than that. It doesn't mean I don't work out longer than 30 minutes. Sometimes I will do a 30 minute bike ride and then 15 minutes of mobility work and then five minutes of core. So it's not like I don't work out longer than 30 minutes, but some days it's just 30 minutes, whatever it is. Um, Also, I still do a one hour strength training session once a week but it's not repetitive, meaning I'm doing a full body workout in that one hour. And that's probably my hardest workout of the week. It's a heavier weight strength training one hour session, but it's not the repetitive type of workout. So decreasing that workout time has been something that has benefited my body greatly. The next one, number three, a lot less intensity in my workouts. So I no longer do high, 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 high intensity, which I loved. I loved those high intensity runs. I love those high intensity bike rides, but I really just don't do the high, high intensity anymore for very long. It's just too much cortisol in the body. I came across an article from Harvard Health and it said chronically high cortisol levels can decrease collagen production. Can you believe that? I was like, I swear I'm being hit in the head with everything. (laughs) So I realized, okay, you can go on hormones to help your collagen or you can stop working out so hard because when you work out so hard, you are pushing that cortisol up, 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 and then this chronically high cortisol can decrease that collagen production. So there are in fact things that we can do like not working out for as long, less intensity, and those things in itself are going to benefit the body, especially that collagen production, which is so important for our tendon health, for our recovery. So I still do some HIIT training, but it is for short periods and only a couple days a week. So no more high intensity for that long, for long periods, several days a week, no longer. Another thing, number four, that I have picked up in my training, as all of you already know, is mobility exercise. Mobility training and mobility exercise are a very big part of my day. It's not just something I do as a workout every few days, but actually I do mobility training every day now. Mobility training can be done as a warm-up. It can be done as your exercise, or it can be done as your cool down stretch. So I do all three of those things on different days. Sometimes it's my warm up, sometimes it's my workout, and sometimes it's my cool down stretch. If you didn't do the range of motion program that we did with the holiday challenge and you are interested in getting into some type of mobility exercise, that is a great beginner level way to start understanding and doing mobility training. So you can look at the range of motion program on my website, earnthatbody.com. I highly recommend it. Everybody loved it. The range of motion program also includes core training. So it's honestly, it's good for everyone. Now, increasing this mobility work had 
definitely made a huge impact in my year because as I'm having issues with uh, pain in my body, I wanna make sure that my range of motion in all my joints stays as big as possible. I don't wanna lose mobility in my body. I wanna be able to use my shoulders fully. I want my hips to stay very healthy. All of these things, including ankles and wrists, all of these things you have to move in a certain way all the time. And as we become adults and we start sitting in these chairs and staring at our phones, really what we're doing is we're just not moving. We're not moving our joints in full range of motion like we did when we were a kid and we were hanging and climbing on the monkey bars. And I mean, if you think about what a child does, if you just go to the park and watch the way that children move, they're jumping, they're up, they're down, they're squatting, they're, you know, they're climbing under things, they're climbing over things. I mean, they are getting a full range of motion through their joints. It's amazing. They're not just sitting like we are most of the day. So I can't say enough about what mobility training has done for me. It is something that is probably the most important thing you could do for your body if you were gonna pick a workout to do. And if you are experiencing any kind of aging symptoms like I am, I highly recommend you start including this in your regime, your workout program. Now, the fifth thing, I did have to change some things nutritionally. And that actually, it's quite a bit. So I'm going to talk next week as the podcast episode is going to be what I have changed nutritionally in my 50s. So you're gonna have to hang on for that one. (laughs) Make sure you're subscribed to the Earn That Body podcast because it'll just pop up then when I have a new episode, but that's gonna be next week. Then after that, something that I changed, number six, cold plunge. So it's been the talk of the town for a while now. I've done a podcast on it as well, but something that I have added into my almost daily life, I don't do it every day, but I do it um, most days of the week, are ice cold showers. And when I say ice cold, they're pretty cold here in our winter time, especially. So cold plunge is another topic that we're going to talk about in two weeks. So I'm going to save the details on that, but I have added ice cold showers as part of my day, and it's made a huge impact on my inflammation, on how I feel, and it has brought so many other benefits. So two weeks, you got to wait for that one. And then number seven, zone two training. We've talked about it a little. We haven't talked about it a lot. It's actually a big topic in itself, so don't hate me, but we're going to talk about zone two training in three weeks, all right? So I've got you all set up for the next few weeks, right? We're going to talk about nutrition next week for how I've changed things in my 50s. We're going to talk about cold shower benefits in two weeks, and then zone two training. Just briefly, if you don't follow me on social media, and you haven't seen me do it, but often what I do now, um, three, at least three days a week, is zone two training, which means I am working out in a very low heart rate. So again, I'm not looking to push the intensity, but I'm looking to get still some kind of aerobic benefits because it's still important to do cardiovascular workouts. They don't have to all be intense to get cardiovascular improvement. So zone two training 
you can either figure it out, and again, we'll talk about it on the episode, you can either know what the heart rate zone is that you need to be in, or basically you want to be working out in a range where you can still talk, but you're like right under that spot where you almost don't wanna talk. Meaning you're not working out so hard that you can't talk, you're right under that. So you're sort of like pushing some power, maybe going at a slow pace, starting to feel that sweat coming on. It's work, it's definitely not easy. Like it's not like, oh, it's just a walk in the park. It's, you know, you, you're, you could talk and you could go all day. It's above that. So zone two training has some incredible benefits, especially as we age. So again, three weeks, you gotta hang in there, just subscribe so you'll get that podcast episode each week. We're gonna talk about those details. And then number eight, what have I done to change everything in my life? I feel like in my 50s, probably another really, really big one is I have given myself a lot more grace. What does that mean? When I look in the mirror, the body has definitely changed. Now I am super proud of myself. I will tell you that when I got on the scale on New Year's Day, 2024, I weighed exactly the same thing as I did in 2023 New Year's Day. And the reason that I know that is because my weight definitely fluctuated all year from 50, 51. There was a lot of fluctuation in my weight with perimenopause. Uh, The scale definitely went up five or six pounds and then some at some point. So that's why I wanna talk to you about the nutritional stuff that I had to do to, to gain control. But I was so excited to see that my weight was right back where it was before after taking all of this action that I just talked about, right? So not running anymore, decreased workout time, less intensity, increasing mobility training, watching my nutrition, my cold showers, my zone two training, giving myself more grace, all of those things together help me get my weight back under control. Giving myself more grace when I look in the mirror. You know what, the body is what the body is. So I weigh the same thing, but my body doesn't look the same. The skin just doesn't look the same, team, at 50, and I'm sure at 60, and I'm sure at 70 and on. It is going to continue to look a little less and less tight. (laughs) It starts to sort of sag. You get that sort of crepey skin. That's life. I give myself grace. I look in the mirror, and if I don't like what I see, I look away, right? I'm thankful that I'm here. I'm thankful that I'm healthy. I don't have cancer. I can do what I want to do mostly. And that's it. You got to give yourself more grace. I'm giving myself more grace when I think about what I was doing physically two years ago versus today. It seems like I don't do that much now physically in terms of my workouts. And I could look at that and think, oh, well, I'm so unfit now. This is, you know, this is so terrible. No, it's not. Give yourself some grace. This is just where I'm at today. I'm giving myself grace, right? Um, What else do I give myself grace on? Just 
Overall, focusing on moderation, not being so extreme, you probably all thought I was a super extreme person, and maybe I was at one point. I was very regimented, right? I never skipped this, and I only ate sweet treats on the weekend, and so now I might have a sweet treat during the week too. Big deal. The only thing I will say is I don't like to fall back into that whole sweet treat. I'm not gonna have a sweet treat a day and just say, oh, I'm giving myself more grace. That can be a problem over time. But I give myself a lot more grace when it comes to the sweet treats as well. One thing that I really wanna focus more on as I give myself more grace is just a lot more moderation in my life. I don't wanna spend so many hours working out or focusing on my nutrition. Like, team, like we're in our, well, we're in our 50s, some of you are. Uh, some of you are in your 60s, some in your 70s, some are younger, but like this is it. This is, this is life, this is not a uh, dress rehearsal, as they say. And so I just wanna give myself more time to do other things than focusing on working out and nutrition. I want you to give yourself some grace on that and find that moderation in your life. And then let's just say this is probably the quote of my year. I saw this the other day and I said, there, that's my 2024. And this is what the quote says. Don't ever save anything for a special occasion. Every day you are alive is a special occasion. I sort of get tears in my eyes. I get like a little choked up when I read that because I just, I don't think that we think of it like that very often. That every day that we are alive is a special occasion. So, <clears throat> sorry. So burn all the candles. Like, do you guys save candles and you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that at a special time? No, this is a special time. Burn the candles, use your nice sheets, Wear your fanciest underwear, ladies. You know, the, the ones we save for like a fancy date or a date night, don't. We should feel fancy every day. Wear the fancy underwear, wear the special jewelry. I have this ring my husband bought me and I, I only wear it when we do something, you know, really nice. And I was like, screw that. We don't do something really nice often enough. Now I wear it every day. Wear the special jewelry. Do it all, you guys, because there is no special occasion that is more special than today. All right, so don't save anything. Oof. There you have it, team. The Earn That Body podcast is always here to bring you health, nutrition, and fitness information you can put into play right away. Now, those were my things that I had to change as I turned 50. Take what you want. Do reach out, let me know what you thought of today's episode. And as I said, you have a few to look forward to coming up, nutritional changes next week, cold showers, zone two training, and so much more for 2024. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.